It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Hey, guys, and welcome to the show that still doesn't have a name. I'm your host, Jake Tribby, and I once again have Scott Bear with me to discuss whatever fantasy topic we want. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks thanks for having me, Jake. Really uh, blessed to be able to come on the show and, and be your first and second ever guest for the Jake Tribby Hour. Of course. Uh, you know, it's, it's greatly appreciated. We're going to talk a little preseason, a little news, and then... You know, we're going to talk about what everyone's actually here for, which is some some personal Scott Barrett questions. Um, so, you know, leading things off, like what happened to discourse when talking about this Eagles backfield? I mean, the takes that we've seen on Twitter these last few weeks have left my head spinning. Thankfully, we have some additional clarity with Trey Sermon being cut. But I want to ask you, how do you think this backfield shakes out now that we know it's going to be, you know, Gainwell, Swift and Rashad Penny getting the majority of these touches? Yeah, I mean, uh, pre-preseason, I was thinking, you know, Miles Sanders uh, was this early down workhorse uh, who didn't get a lot of targets. And like that role is now completely gone. And Rashad Penny had to have been the best bet to get that usage. You know, that's who he's always been. You know, early down workhorse doesn't get targets. And then DeAndre Swift, to me, you know, a better pass catcher than he is a runner, seemed like somewhat redundant to Kenneth Gainwell. And then this preseason, it's Rashad Penny's going to get cut. Trey Sermon's ahead of him. Uh, It's the Kenneth Gainwell show. He's the starter. DeAndre Swift is going to get a ton of targets, but not the third down work or not the uh, two-minute drill. I don't know. None of it like made any sense to me. So I kind of just like ignored it. I was like, well, Penny's still mispriced. I like him as a target for, you know, zero RB teams. Um, and I, what, right, what do I think right now? I have no idea. I think it's probably, you know, he, Penny is not going to be Miles Sanders, but I do think he'll probably have the most valuable role. Best guess is like, it's 50% of the carries for Penny, uh, 50% of the targets for Swift. And like, that's not going to be a lot of targets for, a team with a ton of positive game script and a hyper mobile quarterback who doesn't target the running backs. And then just probably like a three-way committee backfield with a quarterback who runs. So not a ton of upside. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's probably not a league winner here, but definitely the guy to target for me, I think is Penny. Uh, I mean, there's definitely an avenue where, you know, Swift is just, you know, Miles Sanders-esque. It's just, that's not the vibes I'm getting. What do you think, Jake? No, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in line with you. I think, you know, I, in my opinion, I think it's going to be Penny and Swift getting a lot of the the early down work. Gainwell getting two minutes stuff. Um, you know, Penny and Gain or Penny and Swift. Sorry, Swift and Gainwell splitting the um, yeah the third down roll, and then probably all three getting goal line carries. I mean, it's going to be really gross on a week to week basis. Like you said, probably no league winners there, but I I do really like Penny for for best ball for what it's worth. Um, I am glad, like very grateful that Trey Sermon ended up being cut because it really brought uh, fantasy Twitter back into sobriety with some of their some of their takes. And this also leads into a broader discussion uh, when it comes to like the value of preseason and training camp news. 
um, versus you know our old priors. How much stock do you place in August News versus your previous beliefs? Uh, I I used to think I was like the best when it came to navigating preseason usage, like. You know, PFF, one of their guys was saying you trade Travis Kelsey because, you know, he's he's only earned a 60 percent route share with the first team offense. And it's like, yeah, Andy Reid has always done that. He did that with Tyreek Hill. And then there's like other people who just like, oh, wow, this guy got all the snaps. It's like, well, yeah, because he's the backup and the rest of the starters. And so I felt like I had the best where I like knew what was important and what wasn't. And I made a bunch of changes to my rankings last year and it like really bit me in the ass. Like I was super high on Christian Watson and then I came down off of him based on a bunch of players like that where it's like, okay, I nailed week one, week two, week three usage. But then at a certain point, you know, talent rises to the top and NFL coaches come to their senses and then I'm wrong again. And so this year I really made a point to just kind of fade the noise, uh, one possible exception was I was very bullish on Greg Dulcich uh, by yards per game. It was like one of the best rookie seasons in like 30 years for any tight end. Uh, Sean Payton was saying he's going to be your joker. And then he compared him to like three running backs and three tight ends who all had like 90 catches and at least one season with Sean Payton. And that got me excited. But then in preseason with the first team offense, he's kind of in a gross committee with Adam Troutman. And so I have moved him down, but like the counter argument to this is like, maybe Peyton's just trying to light a fire under his ass, or maybe, you know, uh, he doesn't want to reveal too much of the offense. I I don't really know, but outside of that, I haven't made too many dramatic changes. Yeah, I did. I did have a note on, on Dulcich to uh, mention him today. I mean, last weekend we saw Adam Trauman play 17 snaps, five routes with the first team. Dulcich with 11 snaps and eight routes with the first team. He's fallen to tight end 21 by ADP. Um, are you willing to take him there? Well, yeah, for sure. I have him way above that, I, but he's also not quite a target for me. I think tight end strategy is like really simple. This year, it's uh, you draft Darren Waller, and then if you miss out on Darren Waller, you draft Chigo Conquo, must draft, and then one of Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby, and that's it. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. That sort of barbell approach, um, you know, the data really backs that up. Um, Scott, I know uh, Cam Akers, you've uh, bumped him a bit in your rankings down. Uh, Kyron Williams looks to be the passing back uh, in L.A., uh, Cam Akers down to running back 23 by ADP. Uh, where does he land in your rankings? Yeah, I, I think this is worth talking about, if only because you're one of Cam Akers' biggest supporters, or at least when I showed you my rankings, you were like, you're way too low on, on Cam Akers. I think outside of you know those final three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, like he's just been a colossal bust. Uh, he was playing well behind Darrell Henderson. Um and outside of those weeks, it was always a committee where he wasn't getting targets. He also has, you know, an Achilles injury, which more or less no running back has ever come back from. Uh, and so I just see a lot of red flags. And you know me, I'm the bell cow guy in PPR leagues. Targets are worth 2.5 times as much as a carry. So you really want running backs who get targets. And now, you know, Cooper Cup is hurt. Uh, this offense just could be a total dumpster fire. And if he's not getting targets, he relies heavily on positive game script, which might not be there. 
I don't know. I am I'm not super excited to draft him, but but what are your thoughts? I mean, I still see a path for Acres. I mean, I get, you know, the Achilles injury is certainly a concern, but he's two year two years removed. He's twenty four years old. I mean, the efficiency was, you know, pretty solid to end the season last year. I think it's it's reasonable at least to write off um, the Achilles, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, if the targets aren't there, you know, twelve to fifteen carries per game in an offense that's you know, could always be playing from behind, especially if Cooper Cup misses significant time here, uh, which we'll talk about next. It's definitely concerning. I mean, Cam Akers right around, you know, going around pick 70 in some of these DraftKings drafts. I'm still taking him, but I don't, you know, I don't feel great about it. His path to failure failure is definitely wider with the emergence of Kyron Williams. Um, Obviously, we have to talk about the bigger news in LA. Cooper Cup had a hamstring setback. Uh, Dr. Edwin Porras expects him to miss at least week one do you still feel comfortable taking cup in the first round? Um, I just updated my rankings. I think I moved cup to 15th overall. I don't know. I, I kind of keep going back and forth on it. Uh, so the rest of the staff, like if you look at our projections, uh, he's like wide receiver 10 now to me, like there's a case to be made that he should still be wide receiver five because if it's like, okay, he misses two games. I don't really care. The final two weeks of the season matter exponentially more, you know, the fantasy playoffs. And what is his upside over the last two seasons? He averages five fantasy points per game more than any other player. So like throw out the injury, he should have been the unanimous 101. Uh, The problem is, you know, this is a serious injury. He's 30 plus years old. Uh, hamstring injuries are notorious for lingering and impacting performance. And then uh, the head coach, Sean McVay, is also a notorious liar and injury optimist. So, um, yeah, right now I have him at wide receiver eight after Garrett Wilson. Ooh, after Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I still think I'd take him ahead of Wilson, but man, it's... It's it's tough. Like obviously the upsides upsides fantastic there. I mean in some drafts I've seen him fall as far as like pick eighteen, pick twenty. I mean people are are really scared, and I think you know for for good reason. And you know the other thing with Cup too, as as we kind of alluded to already, is that you know if he doesn't play this season, or if um, which obviously unlikely, but you know if he misses significant time, is probably more what I'm trying to say. This offense is going to be a total disaster, and that's going to really impact guys like Higby, Van Jefferson. Um, Cam Akers, are there any other Rams that you would, um, you know, bump because of Cup's injury, or do you just think you know the, the offense is going to be totally terrible? Uh, well, it definitely helps uh, Tyler Higby. I just like maybe I bumped him one spot, but I was already pretty high on him at tight end thirteen. Uh, Van Jefferson, I, I like a lot. I, I, I probably higher on him than at least most people in the industry. Uh, and a big reason why, I mean, he was terrible last season, uh, but we have an insider on staff at fantasypoints.com. That's Adam Kaplan, who told us, no, 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 he's going to have a Robert Wood, potentially a Robert Woods-like season because, uh, you know, you have to throw out last year. He was seriously hurt. So none of that counts. They really trust him. They lean on him. They think he's going to have a breakout year. So that's definitely a great uh, late round target. Yeah, I guess uh, probably the bigger concern would be, um, you know, the team maybe taking it a little easier with a guy like Stafford um, than, um, you know, the uh, overall volume coming down for guys like Higby. My big concern with the Rams this year is they finally have their own first round pick. Yeah, the incentive to tank is is there. Yeah. Um, 
All right, where are you at on Travis Etienne after a very encouraging preseason usage um, with the first team? And also, any love for Tank Bigsby, uh, who's now being drafted ahead of Rashad Penny and Jarek McKinnon, despite mostly running with the twos in preseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the upside. Like, it's it's clear to me that it's going to be a committee backfield where, as far as I can understand, like navigating post-draft press conferences and like more recent preseason press conferences, it's Travis Etienne gets all of the carries inside the in between the 20s. Tank Bigsby is the goal line threat, and they didn't trust Etienne as a pass catcher last year. Probably a percentage of that goes to Bigsby. And so what you're left with is like zero, like a ton of touches, but zero high value touches for Etienne. Um, I mean, I think he's like a really good talent. I think he he's actually like a really good pass catcher or underrated at least. Um, he's just not someone I'm ever excited to draft. And then Bigsby, I, I don't see him ever having like real standalone value that helps your team. So to me, he's just a handcuff and he's overpriced as a handcuff. Yeah, it's really hard for me to see Bigsby getting there without an Etienne injury. I mean, even if he gets you know a, a big chunk of the goal line work um, and the pass catching work, there just aren't going to be many targets there. Trevor Lawrence, you know, two point six percent checkdown rate last year, by far the lowest among quarterbacks per fantasy points data. Um, yeah, it's it just feels like a really gross spot. I'm pretty light on Etienne. I have a good amount of Bigsby, but almost all the Bigsby I have came from when he was way cheaper. I'm I'm definitely off of him at at RB thirty nine. I'm I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that TN, but yeah, it's, it just feels very gross. Um, all right, Scott, you recently came out with one of your biggest articles of the year, 69 stats. Um, first of all, why the move from 96 stats to 69 stats? Yeah, I just, uh, I thought it was like a a really nice number, you know, very, very nice 69. Uh Um, no, I honestly, like why I did it is just like, people say I write too much and I've been super busy. So I figured, yeah, why don't I just cut it down and uh, a more marketable SEO friendly number in 69. And that's what I did. I mean, every year too, it's like, there are some trash teams. Like I have to find, instead of doing three stats for each team, so you have to find three stats on the Texans. Now I kind of just gave them one and then I wrote five stats for a more compelling team. Scott, every every offseason you say you're going to uh, do your best to not kill yourself with word count in season. Will this be the first season that you actually do that? I, I hope so. Yeah, I've actually given up a few articles uh, this season, uh, which should benefit all of our subscribers. We're now like I'm very DFS focused during the season. But now, you know, instead of just murdering myself and like rushing through things, I, I can really dedicate all my time to research and especially making sure our projections are on point. That's great. Um, but back to 69 stats, what are some of your favorite stats from that piece? Uh, my favorite stats in this article are always the ones I add at the last second. And it's like, oh, why, why didn't I think of that? That was that was really good. Um, well, one of them was, uh, so last season, Justin Jefferson gained 1,809 receiving yards. That was sixth most in NFL history looks really impressive. Looks a lot less impressive when you consider the fact that he ran a ton of routes. He ran 690. That was the second most of any wide receiver since at least 2007. If Tyreek Hill ran exactly as many routes, he would have had 399 more receiving yards than Justin Jefferson. But this wasn't a Jefferson stat. This was a Jordan Addison stat. Uh, 
And so Adam Thielen ran the second most routes of all receivers last season. It was the seventh most of any wide receiver since 2007. And he didn't do much for fantasy because like, listen, the guy was super washed. He ranked fourth worst of 53 qualifying wide receivers in yards per route run. And so if Jordan Addison were to run exactly as many routes as Thielen did last year and was just perfectly average, just perfectly average in yards per route run instead of bottom five like Adam Thielen, we should expect 1,146 receiving yards. That would have ranked 12th best among all wide receivers. Jordan Addison by ADP, currently wide receiver 43. And so I came up with that stat. I'm like, damn, that's a fire stat. Way to go, Scott. And I also bumped Jordan Addison up my rankings, maybe like six full spots. That's awesome. 69 stats, people. I mean, you really you really can't beat it. This is like, I mean, Scott, like, would you say this is the article that in, in some ways put you on the map? Because I remember, what would it have been, 2019? Like, this piece blew up, right? Like hundreds of retweets. It was, it took over fantasy Twitter, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think um, 2,000 retweets maybe three years ago. That was like my biggest ever uh, article. Um but I actually made my name for myself, like in Twitter, where I like amassed all my, like people started to know who I was, was from, uh, I did a draft, an article for DraftKings doing uh, wide receiver versus cornerback matchups, which is like somewhat <laughs> ironic because I hired you and you made your name for yourself talking about why that doesn't matter. And I was like, okay, this guy disagrees with me. I'm a known cornerback truther, but one of the best articles I ever read, we got to bring this guy on board what was it one year two years later your fantasy football writer of the year yeah it's been uh it's been it's been quite the journey i just uh you know i i remember being a huge scott barrett fan back in 2018 2019 i was i was a pff intern in the office people were very excited when uh 96 stats blew up i know austin gale couldn't stop talking about uh how many clicks that was getting um but guys it's time for the the fun part of the show where we we ask scott barrett some personal questions we figure out what makes this fantasy football legend tick? It's the Scott-ish Inquisition. Scott? <laughs> it, so it is such a dumb name. It, it is such a dumb name, but it makes oh, me laugh. It. And that, that's the important part. Very cool. um, Scott, I've been quite impressed with your media literacy and the few Ooh. conversations we've had about film and TV. You know, generally, when I come across somebody who's the greatest of all time at something, I kind of assume that, you know, in some other aspects of life, they may not be as, as well coached, as well versed. Um, but you seem to, you know, have watched quite a bit of TV and, um, and film. Uh, so what are your top three movies of all time? Um, going to be very like typical bro answer. Uh, Godfather one and two view it as one movie and it's the best okay. movie ever Two, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. The, so this is the show with no name. This is a story about the man with no name. Uh, three, the departed, which I didn't, I didn't like the first, I thought it was super overrated the first time I watched it. And I've since watched it like 37 times. One of the most rewatchable movies ever. Um, anything Scorsese, Scorsese's the goat. And then I'll give like some honorable mentions for some movies you might not have ever watched. Um, city of God is really good. It's a Brazilian film. Uh, the first time I, I, I watched it, my mind was so blown. I immediately watched it again. I watched it back to back in one sitting. Uh, and then Buffalo 66 is a, uh, technically a football movie, but, uh, yeah, me and my friend, I don't know. I would always hang out in his basement. We watched that movie probably 37 times. 
Those are those are some good picks. I I really like City of God personally. Um, but for me, I'd go with uh, you know this is a movie not many people have seen. Schenectady, New York is is one of my favorites. It's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's really just about you know life, a man's life. I, I find it very interesting. Um, Never old boy. Wow. Old old boy is a classic. You the know original, that's like right? a classic like film bro like first day of film bro school. Um, you know, Absolutely. you're, you're, yeah, you're watching old boy. I mean, that's just, that's a great movie. I also really like no country for old men. Um, I'm just, I'm a sucker for that film. So many great scenes in that movie. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's a ton of great movies. Maybe, maybe Scott at some point, um, you know, you and me can sit down and watch some movies together, by the way, saw Barbie and Oppenheimer Oppenheimer, a little disappointing Barbie though. Hilarious. One of the funniest movies I've, I've ever seen. Honestly, everything Ryan Gosling said, like, made me made me laugh so much i i couldn't believe how funny that movie was have you seen barbie no no i'm a 33 year old man i'm a 25 year old man i why that didn't stop me barbie? Okay. and why is it your favorite movie ever I, I it's not my favorite movie ever i'm just saying it's hilarious it's, okay. you know it's in right. theaters it, it's the most recent film that i've watched is uh is barbie thought it was pretty good okay. um scott this is this is the big question uh, a lot of people, I would imagine a lot of fantasy point subs probably don't know that you're a pretty big gold bug. Uh, what's your, de- what's your deal with gold? What's up with that? Um, I don't know. It's, uh, you're, well, you're a big crypto guy. I'm, I'm a big gold guy. I, yeah. I mean, like, I think we should go back to a 100% gold back dollar. I, I own gold. I, my best performing stock is Franco Nevada, which is a gold mining company that only has like seven employees, but just, I don't know, goes up 10% every single year. Um, it's also pretty, it has intrinsic value, which Bitcoin does not. Um, it's, it's been, it's held value for thousands and thousands of years. Um, yeah, I like gold. Why don't you like gold? Um, I mean, I like, it's not that I, I hate gold. Do you, do you own physical gold, Scott? A little bit. Yeah. Not too much. But so, so most of your gold is in like an investment account. Yeah. I mean, uh, Franco Nevada. Yeah. FN. Okay. Yeah. So like if things, you know, if things went South and, and the government had to back the dollar with gold, don't you I mean, think it's such just... a terrible investment, like to invest in stock stocks that are, have to do with gold. Because like, if we ever got to the, the point where like gold, like was actually super value and like the dollar was worthless, then like we have way bigger problems. And like, that's not even like helping, like just everything's going to tank. Well, but, the government would just take it all like they did in 1933, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, yeah, yeah, they just make personal ownership of gold. And this is not a, an investment. No, not do not investment. take our advice do on any of this. Me, yeah. This is not, yeah. this is not good advice. That's just this like is, my pet. My I'm like a yeah. gold member just, or even worse, the uh, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, geez, man. He is, he is Such so corny. Ball. Yeah, he's like the ultimate like thirty-five-year-old white guy. Um, no, yeah, I mean, like I, to me, Scott, the intrinsic value of Bitcoin comes from the fact that it's the only thing you can use to buy drugs on the internet. I mean, do you, do you really need more than that? I mean, if I were a drug dealer, I'd, I'd accept gold. You'd accept gold? Yeah, why wouldn't you? You'd have someone like shaving pieces off a gold bar in front of you. <laughs> I mean, how do you think people bought drugs a thousand years ago? It was with gold. Were there? I mean, there weren't that many drugs a thousand years ago. It's like coffee beans and stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is from our boy Ryan Heath. Um, Scott, you were a philosophy major in college, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, 
which philosopher do you agree with most and which do you disagree with most? Um, I'm going to sidestep that question because I, I don't want to reveal too much about myself, but uh, <laughs> I, I will. Say, That's what this is about. I will say my favorite philosopher, uh, and it's not, it's not trade or whatever. It's Socrates, legitimately, not Plato, but Socrates. Uh, I think like what should be mandatory reading in middle school and high school is the death and trial of Socrates. To me, this is like the closest thing to a non-Christian saint, like just the coolest, sickest dude. Uh, and like the takeaways from that story are intellectual humility, uh, which you know helps me, I think as like a fantasy analyst and like is something everyone else, uh, everyone in the world needs to embrace and uh, you know, be convicted in your beliefs uh, you know, uh, stand up to the, to the mob, to the, to the herd, which, which I, again, I try, try and do in my own, uh, fantasy football content. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to name one of my sons, Socrates, maybe middle name, but definitely Socrates is going to be in there. Marcus Aurelius too. Maybe, maybe there'll be a, a Marcus middle name too. Um, you, you, I remember you mentioning you had some other potential names for, for your sons. I was Kadarius in there or, or am I misremembering? <laughs> yeah. Kadarius Barrett. Uh, d- he has to, uh, finish as the wide receiver seven or better. And then it's, it's a lock. Okay. All right. Big, big plans for Scott Barrett's future sons. Um, who's right, your guys. favorite philosopher? Oh, who's my favorite philosopher? I don't, man, I like, I took one class on that in college and I just like almost all the classes I took throughout my entire school career. I just didn't really pay attention, but I do remember, uh, who is it? Diogenes. Dean. Um, Diogenes, I believe. Diogenes uh, was, the cynic. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, the guy who would like, uh, jack off outside and, um, you know, pee and on people in the market and stuff like that. He defecated in a theater. I'm looking at his Wikipedia. Um, Oh, he pointed at people with his middle finger. Yeah, this is this guy's pretty wild. So I would say he's my favorite just because it's like, how did he get a Wikipedia page? Um, that's pretty. That's pretty silly. There's a story. I think it was like Alexander the Great went to go see uh, Diogenes, and he was like, uh, he like lived in like a pot or something r- ridiculous, <laughs> and just like a homeless vagrant. And uh, Alexander the Great was like, I'll give you. I'm definitely butchering this. I'll give you uh, anything you want. Just name it. And he says, uh, stand aside. You're, you're blocking the sun. That was, that was the end <laughs> of the exchange. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's my kind of guy. So yeah, that, that would be my favorite philosopher. Um, well guys, I really appreciate you joining us for the, the second episode of whatever we're going to name this show. Um, we'll be back soon. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.